Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, I got enough cash late yesterday and earlier in the card today that the uh, loss in the Belmont Stakes did not take me down much. Uh, I've got my thoughts on the race. I've already shared some. Let's get thoughts from a guy who was there, part of it, watching, talking to the participants afterwards. He's our top horse racing analyst. When I want to talk ponies, I do so with the managing editor of HorseRacingNation.com and the host of the Ron Flatter Racing Podcast. That'd be Ron Flatter. Flatman, how'd Belmont treat you today? Oh, wonderfully. And in fact, um, I invited you. I invited you, Jody, to a dinner here. Yes, you did. Here at the Harrison in Floral Park, New York. And you could hear the hubbub, the excitement in the background, uh, people knowing that there's going to be a discussion of the Belmont Stakes on the Jody Mack show. <laughs> and uh, just the clamor of people wanting to be a part of all this here. Uh, we had a dinner the other night here that uh, you couldn't make it to, and we regret that with the connections for Rich Strike, the Kentucky Derby winner. But this was not a Rich Strike day. And I will say I did make some money today for the first time uh, this Triple Crown season. And the uh, Micropoli connections, maybe I should have invited him to dinner. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Vitamin Water himself, who has an ownership stake in Mo Donegal, who won the uh, Belmont Stakes, and is the primary owner of Ness, the Philly, who finished second in the Kentucky Oaks, who finished second in the Belmont Stakes against the boys. Pretty good exact for the Ortiz brothers who are riding. Right. Todd Fletcher, who was training, and Mike Rapoli, who was owning. That's exactly what I said at the top of the show. Guys who couldn't complain after that ace, Belmont, Todd <laughs> Fletcher, Mike Rapoli, and either Ortiz. Yeah, Jose would like to win, but he'll take uh, second place money. Is not all that bad. It was a coupling day at Belmont. And uh, kudos to uh, Mo Donegal, who uh, ended up as the winner, a horse that uh, Rapoli, uh, excuse me, Rapoli and Pletcher both pointed, I think, toward the Belmont Stakes all year long. Had one in New York, is a New York horse. It's a New York trainer, a New York owner. It was pretty much an all-New York day today, wasn't it, Flat? Let's not just say day, but how about season? Because let's not forget early voting, who finished second to Mo Donegal, in the Wood Memorial in April at Aqueduct, won the Preakness. And I asked Todd Fletcher about that after the race. And he said, yeah, you know, let's give a little respect to New York racing because this is a pretty good colony. Let's also remember that Demoiselle was involved, as, uh, the Demoiselle Stakes was involved last year in a Kentucky Oaks winner. And so he's thinking, you know, these uh, races that have been downgraded to grade two should be back at the grade one level. 
I would think, I mean, if you're going to make a prediction right now about the year 2023, I would say that the Wood Memorial is a lock to be a grade one race again after being demoted to grade two a few years ago. Uh, but just because it, has, it, it produced two classic winners during the course of this spring. That's very well said. Ron Flatter, our guest, talking about today's Belmont Stakes here on CBS Sports Radio. Um, great win for Rapoli, great win for Pletcher. Not so good for the Kentucky Derby winner, and I know you had dinner and you invited me to come. I'm sorry that I couldn't come for the connections of Rich Strike. Uh, well up the track today, never truly a factor in the race. Uh, now you have a uh, relationship with them. Don't know if you had a chance to talk to them after the race. What are they going to do with the Kentucky Derby winner after today's uh, lackluster performance? They were undecided, and I did talk to trainer Eric Reed, who felt like he made a mistake in ordering Sonny Leone to stay wide when, in fact, this horse does best coming to the inside. And during the course of the day, if you watch early races at Belmont Park, the rail was golden. Early speed was golden. Now, I think some of that was compromised once we got to two turn races. But certainly in one turn races, the rail was golden. Early speed was golden. So what was the strategy here? Eric admitted to me that it was, you know, look, he, he had something up his sleeve, and he thought the up his sleeve was to take the horse a little wider than normal to stay out of trouble. Well, the horse not only stayed out of trouble, he stayed out of contention. He wound yep. up finishing six, 13 and a half, uh, 13 and a quarter lengths behind the winner. So he was never a factor in the race. So they're going to regroup. We'll, they'll figure out what's going to happen next. And, and we'll see. I mean, does he become the, uh, the next horse that is on that list of one hit wonders? He, uh, he hopes that's not the case, but he also knows, and I think in his heart of hearts knows, that it could be because this horse was so pace-dependent in the Kentucky Derby. He needed a blazing pace to fade late that he could chase and, and catch at the end, and that simply didn't happen today. I mean, the difference is, think about this, and I know a mile and a quarter and a mile and a half are very, very, very different races. But the early pace that summer is tomorrow established in the Kentucky Derby. The first quarter mile was in 21 and 3 fifths seconds. The first quarter mile that was established today by We the People came in almost 24 seconds flat. That's a huge difference. And you can't chase that kind of a pace. Uh, we the People looked like he could be the sort of a horse, at least early on, who could hold that pace and continue on and, and maintain that and win the race going from gate to wire. But he just tired simply because of the fact they were going from one and an eighth miles, which was his uh, maximum before, to the mile and a half today at the Belmont. All right, but everyone was stretching out to uh, a mile and a half. So I thought when they went 113 and uh, two and one for the six furlongs, I thought he was going to be able to stay on. I thought he was going to wire the field. The breeding said he's uh, out of the Tappet line, which have done very well at siring uh, Belmont Stakes winners, that the horse had the ability to go the mile and a half. Do you think Skippy Longstocking wasn't ever right with him, but was right off him and was right off his, his uh, flank the entire time? Do you think that's the reason that uh, a horse like We the People, the, the, the teletimer says he shouldn't have stopped as badly as he did 
Uh, do you think it was because he was basically blanketed the entire race that he did go backwards? Yes. The simple answer is yes. That's exactly the case. Skipping long stocking, if you watch the head-on view of a replay of the start of the race, so the camera that's up at the clubhouse turn, skipping long stocking was weaving to the extent that if, if, if he had been brought into court, he would have been dead to rights on a DUI. I mean, it's just, <laughs> he was weaving all over the place at the outset. And so he looked erratic and he looked a little green and he looked a lot like he was out of place on this track. And look, this track is not called Big Sandy simply because of the loamy existence of the soil. It's also called that on reputation because it has its idiosyncrasies. And I just don't think Skippy Longstocking was a good fit, except for the fact that, and I talked to Gerard Ortiz about this after I'd watched the replays because he stuck around for a couple more races. And I went back and I asked him, I said, hey, Skippy Longstocking was weaving all over the place. Did that cause you any problems? He said, no. Not only did it not cause me any problems, he gave me space to maneuver so that I could settle back in fourth place, have room to go outside if I wanted to, have room to maybe take a path inside if I wanted to. And so it gave him the perfect trip. So skipping long stocking was a pawn in this little game that was being played by Mo Donegal and their connections with Todd Fletcher that they wanted him to sit closer to the pace than he had been in his previous races. Because Belmont winners do not come from far off the pace. They can come from off the pace. But if you're more than two lengths behind the top of the stretch, you don't win. Only five times in the first 91 years of a two-and-a-half or uh, one-and-a-half-mile race are they able to come through and win. So it's the rarest of rarities that happens when you come from way off the pace. So they knew they had to be closer. And skipping long stocking without knowing it's conspired to do so uh, under jockey Manny Franco and really cleared the path for Mo Donegal to settle in and go, yeah, I'll just sit wherever I want. I'm a very close fourth at the top of the stretch, push the button, pounce, and that's exactly what happened. And kudos to I ride out Ortiz for having him in the exact right spot. And, yes, yeah, Skippy Longstocking is my new least favorite horse on the planet because he pushed we the people who I thought could wire the field. And in the previous race, he had, uh, I thought, banged simplification. I thought a horse that I could win the Preakness with at least twice, once at the start of the race, once at the far turn. So if Skippy Longstocking ever runs again, I will bet against him, bet heavily against him just from a purely rooting interest standpoint. Screw seats, Skippy Longstocking. All right, can you tell I'm a horse racing degenerate? All right, let's uh, let's let's run it back prior to the Belmont. Uh, kudos again to Mo Donico and uh, Rapoli and uh, Todd Pletcher. But there were a couple of horses that ran on the undercard today that were more impressive than the Belmont Stakes winner. Yeah. Jack Christopher and Flightline. Yeah. Which yeah. of those two was more impressive to you? Flightline for me, because he had to do something that he hadn't done before. That was come from off the pace. He was actually boxed in, and there was a little bit of race riding that kind of kept him from getting where he wanted to go. So he was stuck in traffic and had to chase the pace as opposed to setting the pace. If you, This was the first time I got to see this horse in person because he's out on the West Coast. He just has a stride and a consistency that allows him to eat up ground against his competitors that no matter how good they are going, he can gobble them up. And he did. And he won by open lengths. 
And it was just such a, a sight to behold in the Met Mile, a race, by the way, that should still be on Memorial Day. Thank you very much. <laughs> but he was able to do that in such a fashion that he just humbled the rest of the field. Speaker's Corner got a lot of ink and a lot of pub and was a wise guy horse, I think, largely from the New York establishment. For Flightline to come off of injury, come off of foot problems, to come back from a long break, to go against his own style, and to win by open lengths the way he did, impressed me more. Even though Jack Christopher takes a backseat to nobody in terms of what he was able to do in his victory as well. So both of them have a tremendous upside. I'll be interested to see if they will ever meet, but I have a hunch they're going to be kept apart. And uh, we'll see. We'll see, you know, we'll see where they wind up falling in the Breeders' Cup and, and what divisions they will wind up in. But to me, Flightline had everything going against him, had every excuse going in the book, and still excelled to the extent that you put an exclamation point next to his name and to trainer John Sadler for shipping him here from California to do that. It was scary impressive. The only question about these two horses, and they are tremendously talented animals, both of them, they got to add a little bit more distance. Flight line. No, why? 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 Do you not believe why? that both goals were would be to get to the uh, Breeders' Cup Classic? No. Oh, no. Whoa. No, no, no. No. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case. If it is the case, okay, well, they have a summer to prove that. Yes, that's what I mean. They've got to prove they've got to go a little bit more distance this summer before we get to uh, the classic come fall. I'm not. I'm not so sure of that. But here's the problem: they're going to run into Jackie's Warrior if they stay in the Sprint Division or even the Dirt Mile. Right. Dirt Mile's two turns this year, by the way, at Keeneland, not the one turn that we've seen it at some tracks. So that's to be borne in mind. And Jackie's Warrior is not a two-turn horse. That's already been proven. But if you, if you look at it from that standpoint. Okay, so who goes dirt mile, who goes sprint? I think that's the big question you have here. I don't think any of them. I don't think if, if any. You don't think either one classic, of them is pointing toward the classic? I'm not saying they're not pointing toward the classic, but I'll bet against them if they are. Okay. Uh, they say the flight line might just one run one prep between now and the classic coming maybe, back to Keeneland, maybe, as you pointed I, out. I, I still, but I still need to be. Look, flight line is terrific, and maybe. Maybe the best horse in training now in the United States. I made the joke on my podcast a couple of weeks ago when I asked a, uh, a couple of our, uh, if you've ever seen the show Horse Center on YouTube with Matt Schiffman and Brian Zipsy, I asked the question, who's your horse of the year right now? And everybody, you know, okay, is it uh, Country Grammar who won over in Dubai? Is it, you know, and I said, how about Flightline who hasn't taken a step wrong this year, even though he hadn't even raced this year? because there was so much carryover hype from his win in the Malibu last year at the end of the year at Santa Anita that maybe that you could go ahead and give him the scholarship of the year 2021. And so he's shown me nothing, nothing wrong since. Maybe you just keep him in that division. And I, I'm not trying to put words in John Sadler's mouth. Maybe he has every intention of saying, look, I'll stretch him out and I'll take him to Saratoga or, you know, run him wherever at Del Mar. Maybe run him in the awesome again at Santa Anita and then take him to the classic. Okay, maybe that's the case. But I'm saying right now that this horse has, doesn't necessarily have that much more to prove. And John Sadler is the sort of trainer who's not going to go ahead and put races into a horse if he doesn't need to. And right. if that's the case, maybe he doesn't advance many faster than he has to. 
and I think that's what I was saying, I think he's only going to have one more prep. I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that they're targeting the Pacific Classic and then are thinking okay. about the, they're certainly going Breeders' Cup Day. The question is what race. I think they mm-hmm. want to win the Classic. And well, if, if they I'm go, if they go Pacific Classic, then yes, they would probably want to go the Classic. If he wins the Pacific Classic, you have to do that. If he fails in the Pacific Classic, you and this is the thing, it's almost like, well, Flightline can't lose. He's never lost. Or, okay. But what if he does fail in the Pacific Classic? What if he does? Well, then what do you do? Are you going to suddenly, you know, pack up and not go to the Breeders' Cup? I'm saying, you know, I think the Pacific Classic might be the bigger linchpin than whatever race he is in the Classic. Fair enough. Uh, but until he loses, I'm going to believe he's going to race. Uh, he's going to win every race he enters, except if he gets Jack Christopher, because he also is undefeated. He's never lost. He also is undefeated. Yeah. Where is Chad yeah. Brown going to go with him? Uh, now I'm trying to remember what he did say. And, and I mean, it's going to be Saratoga. So uh, we know certainly that much. I just I uh, honestly do not remember. Uh, what the intent was, and I'm racking my brain right now because I just typed it into an entry field somewhere in a race. So I've got to. Straight, uh, I'll try straight, to rack my brain. Would he go? Would he go straight to the Travers, or would he try and go Jim Dandy into the Travers? I don't know that anybody goes straight to the Travers. I, I mean, you know, it, there are inviting purses, and there are owners who want money. Um, if he did, I, and I'm thinking it might have been the Travers, but honestly, I, I cannot remember sorting through that. Uh, the way we work when we're covering our races, I had somebody else covering that particular race, so I was actually isolated elsewhere from that. But if it were Travers, well, then why wouldn't you send him to the Jim Dandy? And then at that point, then, okay, then you start to find out a little bit more. They start to get a little bit of a, of a foundation beneath them, and you go from there. Right, and what uh, Chad's got to deal with is he's got to make decision about his own barn. Because Zandon at some point will be coming back with a summer season pointing forward. Early voting, just won the Preakness, taking some downtime. He's coming back. You know, would he run three of his own in the Travers? I know how much a Saratoga devotee that Chad Brown is. But would he put three into that race if they're all uh, prepping well for it? And that's a great stepping stone for the fall. How many would Chad put in? If they planted turf on the main track at Saratoga, I think he would put three in, but I'm not so <laughs> sure he would do that in a dirt race. So uh, inevitably what winds up happening is suddenly somebody ends up with a setback, True. Uh, which may or may not be a setback, and then it sorts itself out from there. And that's the old thing. I, I was talking to a couple of writers, and I said, how soon before we hear that Rich Strike, early voting, and Mo Donegal are all going to go to the Travers. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, the only time you get every horse from a classic into the Travers is when it was American Pharaoh or Justified because it was the same horse who won all three. So, And, and Justified, of course, never got that far. But American Pharaoh did, didn't win. So it just seems like the Travers always gets to be the poster child for the target race, but the fact that everyone does not end up there is an underscored fact that we should all remember here as we try to hype it up here, very, even before we even before we even uh, to the first day of summer. Good point uh, from a historical span, uh, standpoint from our buddy Ron Flatter. All right, two quickies before I let you go. Belmont itself today, they capped the attendance at fifty thousand. Did they need to? Was there close to fifty thousand no. there? No. Well, they announced forty some uh, thousand, forty four, I think. Uh, so no, they didn't need to. And I know they were, 
they were scrambling. You know, there were ticket promotions right up to the very end. So, no, they did not need to. I think it was very comfortable. Uh, it was very easy to get around. I know that because the Islanders arena is on the grounds now that it limited the backyard space. And I know there was a, some gnashing of teeth over that. But if they ever had a triple crown on the line again, you'd have twice the crowd because they would change the cap to 90,000. They're supposedly going to open the infield next year. How they're going to do that, I can't wait to see. I don't know. Are they going to drain the two ponds on either side of the infield? Uh, you know, what are they going to do? That's interesting. I'll believe that when I see it. Uh, but uh, at least at this point, it was a comfortable 40-some-odd thousand who were there, but they did not come close to the 50,000 cap. And 90-some-odd million wagered all-in, all-outlets, which was about 12% off the handle from last year. Not an all-time high, just last year, 12% drop. Why do you think that was? Have you paid attention to what you're paying for gas? Okay. So there's just less gambling money going on out there. How about the fact that somebody showed me a uh, screenshot I know you had a press pass today. Did you see the $150 for parking sign on your way in today? Oh, my God. I was uh, Somebody who was sitting next to me in the press box said he had a $99 parking thing that he bought. You know, why'd you do that? And he goes, well, I just wanted to park close. How close were you? It's a half mile away. Right. Yeah. I, okay. I, you want another reason why that might have been the case? Uh, right there. Saw a clubhouse parking for 150 bucks today. I'm sorry, that's highway robbery. You can't, as you're right, as the price of gas, it's $5. You can't be expecting people to pay in their overly uh, expensive car now to get there to shell out 150 when uh, they actually arrive. That's one of the reasons why. Did, did, if they announced 44, you know there weren't 44 yeah. there, right? Yeah, exactly right. You know, no, I've always said that I, I, and I never report attendance figures because there's no disincentive on the part of racetrack operators to lie. Right. By the way, did you hear that banging a few moments ago? Those were Californians saying we would really be happy to be paying only $5 a gallon. <laughs> uh, not surprised. Uh, give them my condolences. Flatman, great stuff. Uh, yes, since we've already previewed the Travers, that's probably the next time I'm going to ask you to come back. Uh, I'll get you from Saratoga. Now, what's your favorite Saratoga haunt that you'll be coming live from when I get you on the night of the Travers? Oh, wow. Um, ooh, I'd have to think about that. Um, you caught me without notice on there's, that. There's, I'm going to have to. There's a couple good ones the up there. I'm sure you will find yeah, the best. I'm not, I'm, not sure I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to Saratoga, but. Um, but my, if, although my boss keeps saying, are you going to Saratoga? So maybe I am going to Saratoga at some point. If you're going, we know it's going to be Travers weekend. So uh, Yeah, no, no, I, no doubt about it. I will be looking forward to talking to then. I'll text you between now and then, but I'll get you back up on the air come Saratoga time. Always a pleasure, Flatman. Thanks for the insight. You are the best, my friend. I'd give you a big hello hug, but people would talk. Yeah, feel free to hello hug whoever's still there in the restaurant with you. Sounds like they're having a good time. Go have a good time with them. That is Ron Flatter, the managing editor of HorseRacingNation.com and the host of the Ron Flatter podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 